Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I'm just going to pray. We're going to jump in. Kind of feels like we've been praying. But Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, for your presence here with us. We thank you that, um, God, you always show up. You always do. I just ask that um, as we talk about humility, as we talk about the things on your heart, Lord, that, that tonight would be a night of just stirring us deeper into deeper places of obedience with you. God, wherever we're at in our walk with you, whether we know you or we, this is all new to us, we thank you that we would feel compelled and drawn deeper into your heart tonight. We welcome your presence, God. I ask that you would speak through me. I ask, God, that you um, would give me a tongue of fire, God, that you would, um, it would not be my words, but yours. And I thank you, Lord, that you would be here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You guys awake? Yeah? Come on. Let's go. Uh, who had a really good break? Yeah? All right. Let's go. Well, for those of you who didn't, just find those people and they'll pray for you. Uh, but, um, okay, cool. So I have a few announcements to kick off. So the first announcement we have, we like to kick off our sermon with announcements. So the first one we have is we have an encounter night next Friday. And so that's next Friday at 6.30. Um, and what that's going to look like is that is going to literally just be an open-ended night of worship. We're just going to get in the presence of God and just let him do what he does. And so it might look something like tonight. We might end up praying for specific things. We might end up responding certain ways. We might just worship with our hands up in the air and encounter Jesus. But that's going to be next Friday. So mark your calendars for that. And then the next announcement I have is a, is a, a dipartite, two-part announcement. Is a dipartite a word? two-part announcement for our spring break trips. Yeah, yeah come on. Um, so for our ASU crew, I'm really excited about this one. If you guys don't know me, my name is Dawson. I'm the ASU student pastor here. So forks up. Um, love you. Um, so our ASU, we're doing an Arizona adventure. And what that means is we felt really called by God as we were praying for what our ASU spring break trip is going to look like to invest in our own state. There's so many opportunities across this great state um, to just partner with what God's doing here. And so we're going to have some fun. We might go up north, but we're going to just do some fun stuff. At the same time, we're going to share the gospel with people, love on people, and just stretch ourselves in practicing the kingdom of God. So it's going to be really fun. That's March 3rd through 7th. There'll be more info in Life Group and places to come soon. Uh, our second trip is our GCU trip to Tijuana. Tijuana. All right, and that is March 11th through 16th. You guys are part of the church-wide trip, which is super fun. Our ASU crew was part of the church-wide trip last year, and it was a blast to partner with families, to have some of our pastors and leaders there and just go for it. Um, we were in Chula Vista last year, but this year you guys are going to Tijuana. And, and an important note for you guys is that you guys have an interest meeting this Sunday. So this Sunday... If you're interested, you've got a meeting. Mark your calendar, 1015 to 1045 a.m. It's before the 1045 service. Sound good? Okay. All right. Don't say I didn't tell you. Um, so anyways, my name is Dawson. I'm the ASU pastor. A uh, little bit about me. I'm a Southern boy. Moved out here in 2018 to do our discipleship training school. Uh, married the wife of my dreams, Sada Pool. She's right up here in the front. Um, and so been, we've been married for a little over two years. And... It's just awesome. It's really fun. And we are entering into a series with this first week of Awaken called Renewal. All right. 
Who's excited just to be back for Awaken? All right, you guys, are, you guys are waking up. This is good. So uh, if you're new here, Awaken is our weekly college service that we do. We do it here. It's at 7.30 every week. You know that because you're here. Um, but um, we're just excited. We love to come, in this, come here and get in the presence of God. And so this week, as we're starting this series called Renewal with that super cool graphic, um, my, the message I have, I have for us is called A Foundation for Renewal. A foundation for renewal, say foundation. And a lot of it has to do with, you guessed it, humility. And so we're just going to jump right in, if that's cool. And so um, last in December, Chris Minacucci at our last awaken in December gave us a beautiful word based on this phrase of let go of your oars. Has anyone heard that phrase in here before? Let go of your oars? Okay. Uh, well, a little recap and backstory. If you weren't here, we should be having a podcast at some point out coming out with that where you can go back and listen. But if you weren't here, there, uh, we are part of, of this Antioch church, Antioch Phoenix, and this church is part of a broader network of Antioch churches called the Antioch Movement. And so the Antioch Movement is like 40-something churches here in the States and like 80-something teams overseas. It's one big family. It's very similar DNA anywhere you go. And across this movement, there has been this one word that keeps standing out as people are pressing into God, praying to God, asking God, what's on your heart for 2023? What do you have for us? And this word kept coming up of let go of your oars. And so this word comes from uh, a few different passages in Scripture, but the basic idea is what is an oar for? It's for rowing, right? And so an oar represents our own strength, our own abilities, our best efforts. And in this message Chris gave and that has been going around um, that we are partnering with and really coming under, the, the whole message is let's let go of our oars. Let's let go of our own strength. Let's let go of our own abilities. Let's go of our own efforts. And let's let go, and for lack of a better word, let God. Like, let's let him have his way. Uh, And so as we want to be always in the boat with God, we don't want to control where he's going on our own strength. We want to allow him in the current of his presence to take us where he wants to take us. Does that make sense? And so with that, we want to be people of humility so that we don't have to have God yank us down by our horns, but we want to be people who respond to him. We want to be people who are sensitive to his leadership so that we don't take up our oars and get in the way. Does that make sense? Okay, and so um, how do we do that? And I'm just going to jump in, and we're going to dive into some scripture, and I'm going to kind of get into some teaching, Uh, and so uh, we're just going to dive right in. But what does it look like to let go of the oars? Well, as I was praying for this, I feel like the Lord gave me four points. You can throw them up there. There we are. Okay. First one. These are really fun. Rejoice in lowliness and humility. Humble yourself. The second one. Abandon your own strength and call it evil. The third one. Trust the Lord even when you don't see him and lean not on your own understanding. And then the fourth one. Choose to serve, give, and be selfless despite how you feel. And so with these, we're going to break them each down. But I wanted to break down the first one first. And it says, rejoice in lowliness and humility. And this comes from James chapter 1, verse 10. So you can pull that up. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. 
Those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. And you can pull up the other version I have. This is the, the NASB, 1995. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass, he will pass away. And I just love that phrase, to glory in my humiliation. And if you're wondering why we're saying this, you might not think, hey, I'm rich, I'm a college student, I eat ramen, and I'm dependent on a cafeteria voucher. Um, like whatever that thought is, I just want to tell you that every single one of us in this room is rich. Every single one of us. I was doing some research on this, and the average American household is in the top 4% of the world's riches. That means if your household makes about sixty dollars to $70,000 a year, you are in the top 4% of people on the earth. Um, and so for each of us here, riches is very normal to us. And it's very much skewed by like, say, for example, um, a millionaire or something like that who works in like big, big tech and all that kind of stuff. But the word of the Lord is clear for us that we need to learn how to boast in being humbled. We need to learn how to glory in being humbled. Does this make sense? So what does humility mean? Can you pull up humility? Humility is to recognize our own weakness and inability to do anything apart from the help of God. This is my personal definition. I believe scripture supports this, but it's to recognize our own weakness and inability to do anything apart from the help of God. And so what that looks like is learning to be rejoicing in the fact that we can't do anything apart from Jesus. Meaning that when I fall on my face, because I tried something on my own efforts, and of course it didn't work out, right? I rejoice because God's humbling me. He's inviting me to draw back to a place of dependency. He's inviting me to draw back to a place of needing him and to learn, not just to have to come back there, but how do I stay here? What does it look like for me to stay in a place of humility? And so you might be thinking, man, that's a random verse from James. James is a really intense book. Where are you going here, Dawson? And I just want to say this is a really important topic to the heart of God. And I'll say this phrase, if we are not humble, God will spit us out of his mouth. If we are not humble, God will spit us out of his mouth. You guys can turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, verses 14. You can start in verse 14. If you have your Bible. So the book of Revelation, uh, the backstory behind what I'm about to read, um, Revelation is a vision that John, one of the disciples that became an apostle um, of Jesus, had about the return of the Lord. And so it's, it's really extensive. There's a lot of symbolic imagery, but the, it opens with God, Jesus, appearing in his glorified form, freaking John out. And then Jesus has a message for these different churches that are now scattered across modern-day Turkey. So um, Jesus comes with his message, and this is to the church of Laodicea. And it says here, starting in verse 14, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will spit you out of my mouth. And here's this. Notice, this, notice the language here. For you say, 
I am rich. They're not boasting in their humiliation. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking. So notice the intensity of his voice, how much he cares. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, truly, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And so, guys, I just want to say, are we catching this? Jesus himself spits out the church that thinks it has it all together. Jesus himself spits out the church that thinks it has it all together. I think we have used the word lukewarm to mean someone who's not really serious about following Jesus, but Jesus uses the term lukewarm to be someone who is not seeking humility. And I just want to say, this is serious words. These are serious words. Has the cross that Jesus died on fully freed you to approach the throne of grace, finding mercy and help in your time of need as a son or a daughter? Yes, I'm not speaking about your ability to come to God. But if we come to God, it's important. I would say it's actually imperative that we know what's on his heart. And we get this glimpse here. And if you can allow the intense language, the Bible, the Bible is the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces joint and marrow, soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you can let this word of God that's living and active pierce your soul and spirit to discern your thoughts and intentions, just say, God, am I really humble? And this will transform your life. So how do we respond to this? Obviously, none of us in this room want to be lukewarm and be spat out of God's mouth. I think all of us want to be, whatever the good version of that is, received by God. Um, and so, it's simple. How do we respond to this? Tell God that you need him every day. Ask him for humility. I think a lot of times we treat humility like you arrive at it one day when you get close enough to God. But in reality, humility comes by asking and seeking. And so my, my challenge to you and the way to overcome this is really simple. Ask him to position you throughout your day to be dependent on him and humbled, and he will. He will. If you want a day that's on your own strength where you look good, he'll give that to you. Because he's not gonna force you into anything, but if you want a day where you learn to step by step be with him, he'll give you that too. And so my challenge to you every day, wake up, God, humble me. Teach me to be dependent on you. Put me in situations where I can be humble. And he'll do it. You might not like it. He's not gonna bring calamity on you. He's not gonna do anything destructive, but he might put you in a place where you're stretched and invite you to learn how to respond to him. And so we have that verse again, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so we have this on God's heart again, that he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I just want to say, as we're talking through these things, I know I'm, I'm, I'm speaking intensely to you. This is a lifelong 
process. This isn't a, man, this is my humility season. No, this is a lifestyle of learning humility with Jesus. And there's always a deeper place, but it gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter as you discover the nearness of God. And all he asks is that you be willing to fail with him and grow. That's it. Just fail with me and grow. So can you pull up the grace equals? Yeah. Grace. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So some of you who like hear that word all the time may not exactly know what that means. This is a basic definition. Grace is unmerited favor and supernatural ability beyond merit. Unmerited favor and supernatural ability beyond merit. So what that means if he gives grace to the humble, it means that when you humble yourself and know you can't do it, his favor is on you. His, all of a sudden, his ability to tackle things is on you. And the things that you were stumbling over and messing up in and failing in, all of a sudden, there's a grace to tackle it and more. And that's the grace of God. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, can we jump to number two? Abandon your own strength and call it evil. It's a strong word. So I just talked about needing the grace of God to be humble. And as we talk about that, like how do we on a day-to-day basis know whether we're operating in grace and humility or whether we're operating in pride? Like what does that actually look like to discern? And I just wanna say that Jesus made this really simple in his word. We're gonna turn to Luke chapter six, verse 43 through 45. I'm gonna have it on the screen. Um, And this is Jesus just teaching. It says, there's no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. And so we see Jesus making a roadmap for us, and it's black and white. It's humility and grace bears one kind of fruit that's good, and it's not thorns, but it's figs, it's grapes, it's tasteful, it's inviting. Pride and evil treasure bears another kind of fruit. And so as we're figuring out, okay, what does it mean to walk in grace and humility, Am I doing that? Like that question of your heart, like am I actually doing this? Like I care, I wanna do this, God. Look at the fruit. What is the fruit of your life? And you can pull up the next question. Ask yourself, what is the fruit of my words, actions, and choices? Especially when you feel pressed, stressed, or challenged. You guys, when we feel stressed, pressed, or challenged, God is using those moments to squeeze out of us the gunk and invite us into greater dependency again. So what's the fruit? A lot of times when we're like, man, where am I at in life? We can look to our best moments and we can say, this is where I'm at. And I really think that God is like, that's great. I'm proud of you. But I'm looking at this. When you were stressed and you snapped at your sibling. Where was the grace and humility in that? 
Sure, we can show up in different places of life, but we know a tree by its fruit. And so God's inviting us to look at our hearts and genuinely look at our actions and say, is this bearing the fruit of God? And what is the fruit of God or the fruit of the Spirit? God, again, he maps it out for us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Have that memorized so that you can call your heart back to it if you ever feel you're stepping away from those things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of choosing to operate in the grace of God and the humility of God. And so we have this kind of test. And I just want to say this really quick. Does the fruit of your life match your intentions? And I just want to say this. A lot of times when we get in conflict with people, we can kind of hinge on our intentions of like, but no, look, 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 I'm sorry, but I meant to do this. Like, this is what I meant. And let me just say that good fruit does not match good intentions. Like, you might have the best intentions, but it doesn't equal good fruit. Are you with me? I learned this the most in my marriage when I'm soul to soul with my wife and learning how to love her well. And I might have the best intention, but I have to learn what fruit looks like. And this is the journey we're invited to, guys, the rest of our lives. You might have the purest intentions, but if you aren't bearing good fruit, we have to learn how to own the action separately from the heart and not take it personally. Does that make sense? It's an art, it's a dance, it's a lifelong journey, but God's with us in it. And humility is this, I wrote this down, I think this is good. Humility is recognizing that good intentions on our own strength bear bad fruit. Good intentions on our own strength bears bad fruit. I could wanna come up here on really good intentions and just like share a message that just propels you to the deepest place of God you've ever been in. But if I'm doing it on my own strength, it's gonna bear bad fruit. It would bear pride in me and it would not bear fruit in you. And so we have to look seriously at our own hearts. Praise God, I guarantee you, 99% of us in this room have good intentions. We have to look and say, does the fruit match? And we have a roadmap for that. You guys with me? Yeah? Cool. Um, so practically, I want to give an example here. So say like a friend calls you out in something. I'm a dude, so hey, bro. Man, when, hey, I'm sorry, man. I've just been sitting on this, but like when you did that, that really hurt. I know, I know you didn't mean that, but that, that hurt. We have two options in that moment. We can choose to operate in humility and grace in our response, or we can choose to operate in pride. We can choose to operate on our own strength. And so on our own strength, we might wall up all of a sudden and pull back or might like, oh, dude, no, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Just walk away, totally not changed. We might operate in anger and lash back out and say, but you don't know what you did. Like, I was hurt by this. Or we can choose to walk in humility and we're at rest and we say, God, oh, I just want to buck right now at that person. I just want to lash back out. Help me understand them. What are they saying? And God gives you understanding. And in self-control, a fruit of the Spirit, you choose to respond a different way. You show grace and you say, hey, I'm so sorry. I can see how what you did 
made me feel this way. Do you see the difference there between these two? One's a dialogue with God and humility that leads to transformation. And then the other is just adding pain to pain. So that's just a little example. I'm trying to, I said a friend because I mean, we all have conflicts, like let's be real, um, things happen. And so there's an importance in those moments to be sensitive to our hearts of are we operating in the grace of God or did I totally just step out of the grace of God and choose to operate how I would operate, which is destructive, painful, and not good fruit. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, so we're gonna jump into the next one. The next one is number three. This is trust the Lord even when you don't see him and lean not on your own understanding. And this one's simple. I'm gonna move through this one pretty quick. But that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And the key word in this is do not lean on your own understanding. There's gonna be times where things happen that you don't understand and like that conflict situation, you may not understand where that person's coming from, but we're called to trust the Lord and not lean on his, our own understanding. And so if we acknowledge him, like we showed in that example, he makes our path straight. The next verse is uh, Jeremiah 17. I love this one. This one says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. And so if you ever feel your own strength rising up where you're like, I just wanna, I'm a dude, like, like manhandle this, like I just wanna do it. Like cursed is the man who makes flesh his strength. It says here that um, he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. But here's the good part. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. And so this one's pretty simple. Cursed is the man who trusts in his own strength and blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And so what does this look like? A lot of times it just looks like not needing to understand. God moves in mysterious ways sometimes. And sometimes it's just like, God, I don't understand that. I actually don't need to. Man, that person, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through people because this is really ultimately our test. Like people are your mirror of where your character is with God. But man, I don't understand why that person is having that attitude. I don't have to. I'm just gonna trust you, God. I'm just gonna choose to love them because that's what you've commanded. And so we're invited to trust in the Lord and not lean on our own understanding. And so the last one, number four, choose to serve, give, and be selfless despite how you feel. Despite how you feel. A lot of times, and I'm, I've been guilty of it, we dictate our give to others based on our own process. And if we're in a mess, we actually pull back from serving others because we need to take care of ourselves. That is what the Bible calls being a lover of self and self-focused. And God's actually inviting you to learn how to serve when you feel pressed and don't feel like it. And there's a balance here. And I actually, I actually as, I was, as I was thinking through this, I wanted to define serving. Um, and I think Jesus sets us up really well in Matthew chapter 20. 
And so Matthew chapter 20, starting verse 25, it says, um, do you have that one, Abby? If not, that's totally cool. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, starting verse 25, it says, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. And this is the context. The disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. And, and Jesus is basically saying, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so what we see here is Jesus is setting a tone that the greatest and the leader is actually the slave and the servant. And I think what Jesus is getting at is that he knows that when we commit ourselves to serving others, it positions us to look like him. But when we commit ourselves to serve ourselves, we look like the devil. Does that make sense? And so I want to clarify, I'm actually not talking about serving on like a Sunday or a tech team or in the band. All those things are beautiful. We actually need tech volunteers. Um, but um, all those things are beautiful, and we totally encourage you to do that. But I'm actually talking about serving by prioritizing the needs of others around you. Prioritizing the needs of others around you. I'll give you an example. When you walk into a room, are you looking to serve, or are you focused on your own self and your own goals? When you walked into this room tonight, did you come in and say, man, who are you championing, God, that I can get behind that I can look and love on like you would? Or are you saying, man, I'm, I got my own goals. I'm here. I'm ready to encounter God. I need this today. You know, like, and those things aren't bad. Again, this is where we come to intentions. Intentions can be really beautiful. We need to come in and have goals for what we want from the Lord. Um, but at the end of the day, focusing on ourselves is sin. And God calls us to discipline ourselves to have eyes off of ourselves, especially when we feel pressed, stressed, or challenged. The fastest way to get eyes off yourself is to just go serve somebody. And there's joy, great joy in sacrificing your own needs for others. And I think, in my opinion, serving counts the most when it's your roommates, the people closest to you, the people who see you in the most raw and vulnerable places. That is where serving counts the most because we can dress really nice and come and do kids' ministry here. That doesn't mean anything compared to what does it look like when we're Pressed, raw, relaxed in our apartment with our parents and they say something to us that irks us. Like, are you choosing to serve them then? And don't get me wrong, I, I love serving at church. I'm just trying to create a, a disparity here of God's looking at the heart year round, not just specific moments where we can show up. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking me? Okay, I don't see anyone sleeping. Thank you, Lord. So... And so I just want to say this, um, serving is a lifestyle, and it's a choice. And if you're feeling stuck in a mental rut, if you're feeling anxious, ask God, who's around me right now I can love on? Who's around me I can serve? And serving doesn't have to just look like 
doing manual labor or like carrying someone's groceries, a lot of times it's just like, hey, can I pray for you? Or like, hey, I actually, I need to be intentional and ask that person a question. Or if they have a need, I need to be aware of that. And a lot of times it's just a heart mindset. But when we relegate serving to a place where we show up, that's actually what the Pharisees did. They didn't live lifestyles as servants. But man, at synagogue, they look like servants. They look like servants. So we're gonna learn how to serve together. Again, this is a lifelong journey, guys. I'm just trying to, trying to give you your like compass point so you can learn what, is, what does North look like? Like what does it actually look like on a day-to-day basis to walk in refinement, to seek Jesus and to be renewed? Like what does that actually look like? Yes, because I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. Like you guys can respond so well. We have a culture of response here at our church where the presence of God's here and we have a call forward. Man, you guys come. And that genuinely moves me as a leader to see you respond. But what moves me even more is when I see people give themselves in a posture of lowliness day in, day out, responding in the ugly things no one else sees. Like that's what moves me and that's what moves the heart of God. And, and you will be judged at the end of the day, at the end of the age, not based on the few things you did in front of people, but what you did behind the scenes. Does this make sense? And we will be judged. I said the judge word. We're gonna be judged. And God's inviting us into a journey of embracing a positioning before him that's pleasing him 24-7. So that when we come before him, he's like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you, you gave your best. Yes, you fell on your face over and over and over and over again, but you remained low. You kept pressing into me as your teacher. You allowed me to be your father. You allowed me to walk with you and teach you the rhythms of grace, the ways of God, the what it looks like to be humble. You repented when I said repent. Like that is what moves the heart of God. And so we can go ahead and have our band jump up. Um, We're gonna jump into a time of response And so I just want to say this. I know we're going a little late. Transformation happens little by little. And I've kind of been saying this, but for the sake of repetition, what I'm saying right now, if you're like, oh, crap, I'm not doing any of that. Um, I shouldn't say crap. I'm sorry. That's not, yeah. Oh, oh, man. Uh, I'm not doing any of that. Uh, There you go. I'm I'm trying to humble myself, Lord. Um, And so, uh, but... uh, If you're like, man, I'm not doing any of that, there is so much grace for you right now to pick up and just say, God, I wanna learn. I wanna learn. I wanna learn how to move your heart with my life. I wanna learn how to manifest the fruit of the Spirit and not just be content with the gifts of the Spirit. I wanna learn how to walk in character and humility as my first fruit and to judge my spirituality based on how I am behind closed doors, not how I am in front of others. Like that's the journey God's inviting you into. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry. This is what the word of God says. This is what the Bible's inviting us into. Jesus left us a roadmap. And he said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. God opposes the proud. He spits them out of his mouth. He gives grace to the humble. And he's inviting us into this to learn. And so please, I'm just asking you, sign up for the process with me tonight. We're just gonna jump in. I don't have any specific points, but we'll have our ministry team up here. Um, And if you need prayer, I just wanna invite you to come forward. But man, the call is here. If if you're just wanting to sign up for the process, I just wanna invite you to just come forward now. We're just gonna respond now. 
And so as we get ready, I just wanna invite you to come get on your face before God and just say, God, sign me up. Sign me up. Maybe you're already signed up for the nations. Maybe God's put somewhere on your heart to go. Maybe you're already signed up for a certain calling. Sign up for humility too, because that's what's gonna get you there. And so I'm gonna just leave the floor open. And if you just wanna sign up, just come get on your face before God. Come speak with him, ask him, let him move in you. And we're just gonna go for it. Does that sound good? Okay. Well, Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Right now, Lord, we just sign up for the humble way. We sign up for the humble way. We know that your word says that you dwell with the low and contrite in heart. And so, Father, we, we invite you to humble us. We invite you day by day to teach us to carry the fruit of the Spirit. We invite you to manifest love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control in our hearts, God. We invite you to teach us to love our neighbor even when we're pressed, even when we're stretched, even when we're challenged. We invite you to make us unoffendable. We invite you, Lord, to make us movable at the slightest move of your hand. We invite you to rebuke us, challenge us as a good dad because you only discipline those you love. We invite you to to give us true and living refinement where intimacy with you is. We invite you to transform us that we might not be one way in some places and another in others, God, but that we would be consistently yours in every moment and every place. Teach us, God. Oh, teach us to crave, to see you behind closed doors, to love you behind closed doors. Lord, if that means we change what we watch, God, if that means we change how we think, God, we ask you to teach us lifestyles of fruit, lifestyles of fruit, not just moments of fruit, but lifestyles of fruit, inward fruit that leads to outward transformation, God. We thank you, Lord, and we just welcome you right now, God. We thank you for moving in our hearts. Come have your way, Jesus. We welcome you right now, in Jesus' name.